Devante Jones. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good it's to. A pleasure. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great to, to catch up a little bit. Yeah. What uh, so November? What is today? November twelfth. November twelfth. What What have you been up to recently? What's What's the year been like? I've oh. had a couple conversations with you sitting in the sweet college counseling wing and yeah. Give yeah. Give everyone a little bit of a Devante Jones update. Well, unfortunately, it's not a whole lot of good news. Um, I've had seven very close deaths <laughs> in no 2021. Way. Oh my god! So this is has, this has been the year of um, super duper grow up for me, and mm-hmm. meaning it. I had to mature. I had to, you know, um, step up and you know try to put on my strong face. Um, and, and and putting on my strong face that doesn't just mean like you know, not showing emotions, that means showing emotions, mm-hmm. in which that's not always easy to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I feel like I need to, you know, have a breakdown and cry to go ahead and do it, it's okay. That's not like, you know, me being wimpy or, you know, um, grieving too long. That's, you know, that's not really a thing. You got to do it. Um, if grieving long is not grieving wrong. Hmm. I like that. You have to do it. Yeah. It's something, it's a part of life. You have to grieve so that you'll have a healthy future you know mm-hmm. um death is a part of life it's inevitable however um and this is something that i learned in this uh, process you know we spend our lives loving people you know people teaching us how to treat them you know you hear this all the time you want um you want to uh you need to teach people how to treat you so you're teaching people how to treat you people are learning how to treat you um and you know you, you get that special love and that bond for that person and then poof pow they're gone mm-hmm. so what do you do with that love and you know that, you know, love that you had for that person, um, it, it stays there, it remains. Um, and yes, you will grieve that person, you'll miss them. However, that love is still in your heart and you just keep that, that heart, um, that memory in your heart for that person um, and just know that they're always with you. And so that's kind of helped me to grow up and, you know, you still have to push forward. You still have to produce every day. You have to still have to get up and go to work. Um, you still have to show up, you know, and do your, your daily uh, chores or duties. So I learned that in the midst of pain and hurt, you still have to show up. You still have to produce, but you can hurt and grieve while doing that. Hmm. So that's what, that's what, you know, 2021 has been for me this year. Wow. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I know it, but you know what? Um, it is, it's a sad thing and it, and it is a huge loss uh, in many ways. However, I can say that, like I said, now I feel like I'm my real grown self. Like I'm really uh, mature grown Avante, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't throw temper tantrums because I'm hurting. I have to learn how to control that. That's not been easy, but I had, to, I, you know, I had to learn to do it. Yeah. Wow. Um, how about it, professionally? Like what, what have you been working on lately in the college counseling wing? Yes. So November one deadline, we've been, everything has been kind of geared towards, um, those, um, early decision, uh, deadline, um, applications and getting, you know, the applications, the rec letters, uh, the transcripts, making sure all the, uh, you know, the transcripts were in. I mean, the rec letters were in. It's such um, a, it's such a rush. It's, it's a end rush. End of October, yes. those last couple of weeks. Yeah. And chasing people down, chasing yeah. kids down. Yes. Chasing Running reports, all that. Jake Scott down, make sure he's writing his uh, <laughs> rec letters. Well, Jake Scott, it's okay. You did it and, you know, we're grateful. So, you know, and yeah, that's, it's like this big, huge rush. And then it's like the, the, the calm after the storm. Yep. And so that's where we are now. We're, you know, like kind of sweeping up 
the, um, you know, the fragments that have been left over and, you know, getting those things done. And now we're gearing up for our junior class that's going to come in and, and, you know, take over that slot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a cycle and, you know, you have your, your little moments of rest and then it, the big rush happens again. So it's exciting. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I teach a senior elective class and all through like September, October, you can, you can feel the, they're anxious yes. and they're writing and they've yeah. got all these essays and, like their their feet are, I noticed their feet like tapping. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes. you guys are anxious. Yeah. And then like November first, I I think some of them still have some rex to write. Yeah. Yes. But like their feet stop tapping yeah. around and they're yeah. actually chilling a little bit. Yeah. And yes. And even the office visits when they stop by now, it's less you know intense. Um, cause, uh, I, so when they come in the office, um, you know, they're like, um, it's, it's I'm like, Hey, Hey, calm down. Good morning. <laughs> you know, I get it, but calm down and say hello. And so now they know, you know, when you come into the college counseling office, put the nerves down, speak, and then, you know, state, you know, what, what you're looking for. You're, but yeah, you're the perfect person to sit in that room, oh, I think, MG. because <laughs> I, I know some, you know, some people who sit at front desks and I feel like, uh, in my in my high school and you get some like at the YMCA where I live you get some people who hate that job and they're pretty miserable and they're kind of mean and you can't put someone at the front desk if they're not like cheerful and pretty you know happy and calm wow wow which is good i mean yeah that's your spot well, yeah, it's my spot. I enjoy it. I I can't say that I'm always <laughs> the happy pleasant person, but I you know, for the most part I try to maintain that, you know, that that uh posture yeah how'd you get into kind of college counseling and you know how'd you find Gilman in the first place I know right yeah (laughs) well I started working in independent schools um back in 2013 at Garrison Forest School um and so you know I kind of got bit by the bug you know it's nothing like working in the school system you know you get your winter breaks you get your spring breaks and you know all of these great breaks um that you may not get in the corporate environment. Um, and so I kind of t- um, took a, lo- a liking to it, um, and especially working with the students. That's like the best part of it. Um, and so I'd worked there for, what was it, six or seven years. Um, and then, you know, it, I was ready to do something else, you know, kind of broaden my horizons. Okay, I've, I've had my experience in independent schools. I want to stay there, but let's see what else I can do. Right. And um, just kind of started looking around and um, putting my feelings out there among my friends and, you know, Something came up at Gilman, and it's like um, Vivian Sawyer's uh, retiring. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great spot for you. And um, you know, we got the balls rolling, and, and that's how I ended up here. So, what, so you were at an all-girls school at Garrison Forest for yeah. six years, and now you're at Gilman. What is that? What has the difference been wow. for you from the all-girls environment to the all-boys? Yes, it's it's honestly it's a huge difference. Um, you know, I, and and I don't want to sound. Um, I don't want to sound sexist if, if, you know, I feel like the girls, um, they're more like, you know, they're clingier, they're more emotional and they want to like, you know, hang out and hang around my desk and sit, you know, any day you could come back and see a girl sitting, you know, against the wall uh, behind my desk. I just need to sit here, Miss Jones. (laughs) And so, you know, that was their safe space and it was fine with me. Uh, I feel like at Gilman, the boys, they are less clingy. Um, they want, you know, the love and attention that the girls wanted, but they're not as uh, forthright, I guess, in asking for it or, you know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's yep. they're more like, you know, kind of passive with it, but you know, they need it. So, right. you, you, you know, you tend to, you know, you have to, I had to learn to adjust that the boys don't need as much, 
motion, emotional support as the girls did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I miss the girls, though. I got to say, because, you know, I can't talk hair and makeup with the boys, you know. Right, right. Um, so those things like that. And, you know, they would come in and they want me to help pick their um, prom dresses out and things like that. Oh, so, you know, awesome. I, I miss that. But, um, you know, uh, but I, I've enjoyed working with, you know, the nice, calm smoothness of the uh, Gilman school environment. You know, that's 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 an enjoyable uh, experience as well. What um what is Garrison Forest as a school like? I mean, I know really very few few things about it. I know it's an all girls school. I know yeah. it's pretty close by, but I don't really know what the kind of environment is like and maybe how it's different, similar than Roland Park, Bryn Mawr, yeah. all the the other all girls schools in the area. Hmm. It's um well, I would say it's a little more intense of an environment. Um intense and uh i'm trying to find the right word i'm I'm gonna stick with intense yeah the environment is more intense uh gilman's a little calmer it's not as uh you gotta get it done now or don't do this don't do that it's more hey we're gonna get it done Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and you know those are not things that you can do you know what i mean it's it's a, a different type of intensity between the two so um when i came here it was like oh i can relax yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have to. You know, that deadline is not like a literal deadline. <laughs> like you'll die if you don't meet it, you know. But um, it, it's it's uh, the intensity. They're different. Yeah. Um, I, I, I tend to like the Gilman environment a whole lot better than the Garrison environment. Yeah. Yeah. What um what what kind of work specifically are you kind of doing on a day to day basis in the college counseling wing? Like what a what's like a typical Avante Jones day? kind of consist of, or at least recently, what has it been consisting of? Um, typically, um, I I have, you know, well, of late, you know, we've had the college rep visits, so prepping the day for that, um, making sure I have, you know, the information available for our dean so that they have no knowing, you know, who's attending these uh, um, rep visits. Um, so that's the top part of my day. And then, you know, whatever reports I have to run for the day, uh, whether it's sending out transcripts, Transcripts to schools. I mean, I'm still doing that. You know, I have to mail transcripts. I have to electronically send them. Um, also, you know, whatever phone calls I get, I get background checks all the time. I mean, you would um, you would be surprised at how many background checks I get per day. So sending off uh, background checks for students who've graduated, graduated and now looking for jobs or, you know, okay. in the job market. So the process, it really doesn't stop. So it's, you know, it's like the continuous thing. So maybe this kid, you know, got a job and now they're looking for another job so now i have to do a background check for them so you know what i mean that's yep. a, that's also part of my daily process greeting people you know um kids coming in having questions helping them register for sats um whatever knowledge you know at some point we were working on psats sats i mean like you know you name it anything pertaining to college testing schools my day consists of that yeah. you know um sometimes i have to run reports like you know to compare you know, how a uh, um, student may have progressed like after they took. So we had this uh, ACT, uh, Capital Pine, they um, kind of like come in. I'm sorry, it's, it's Capital, uh, oh no. The guy's name is Phil Pine, who runs the company. And it's Capital Educators, I'm sorry. Got it. Okay, so they um, run a mock ACT. And what they do is they kind of um, run these classes every weekend to um, prepare the students for the test. So once they take this test, they want to see, how the student did 
um, on the test after the, you know, classes and before. So, like, running reports like that. And Rachel Gorski requires a lot of reports from me. So mm. I run reports for Rachel Gorski. Um, admissions, they need reports from us. Um, just, like, the testing, the numbers, so that they can put in, you know, their paperwork or whatever. So, I mean, like, anything, any you know, a range from that all day, um, I'm, I'm working on it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think uh, some of the standardized testing like the SAT, ACT, do you think that's going away at all or is that because I know that some schools have made that test optional, right? Yeah. And that always has kind of confused me and I don't really know if I have a a opinion on that, but yeah, um, you know, I I just think about my experience with the SAT and and I had a tutor and my score rose because Mm -hmm. I learned how to take the test and (laughs) some students you know, can pay for a tutor and, you know, mm-hmm. get that help and others can't and how that affects people. And I kind of understand maybe why some schools are going test optional. Yeah. But I just want, I always think about it. That's going to be part of the application process, like 10 years in the future. Is there going to be an SAT? Is there going to be an ACT? I don't know. Well, in, in my thoughts, I mean, just kind of like, you know, being in this world for the last couple of years, um, I am finding where it, I'm, I'm with you on that, that it may be obsolete at some point in the future. Um, it's, I think, who's driving it now are parents. Because, you know, when I was in school, I had to take the SAT and that counted towards my grade. You know what I mean? So yeah. I want my son to or my daughter to take the SAT because it's going to count towards their grade. However, I think the pandemic um you know, had a great impact on the testing. And that's why a lot of schools are going test optional. Here's the thing. Now they can see uh, without the testing, you know, how did the student do or, you know, how well did they fare in, you know, uh, high school or whatever. And I think maybe now seeing that, just like, for example, um, doing online meetings versus in person, it's like, hey, it's not so bad to do an online meeting. I can get more done in my day because I don't have to actually physically get up and go somewhere. Right. I can stay here, do like 12 meetings and also get my work done. So it's like now we're starting to see um, that, you know, technology, you know, is kind of helping us and, you know, making things a little easier. And maybe that's the same knowledge that schools are, you know, kind of coming into this awareness that maybe we don't particularly need these tests. Um, look, we did it um, during the pandemic. We didn't require these exam scores and everything was fine, you know, Right. versus so some students turned them in, some students didn't. So maybe the test optional is just going to be the way to go. And and I feel like once people realize that 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 grade is not weighing as heavily on their overall acceptance into a school, they'll probably stop taking them as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then the testing will kind of dwindle, and then become obsolete. Yeah, if that I, makes sense. I I see that. I also see the fact that like if the test com- becomes obsolete and there's no more SAT, no more standardized testing, you can have you can have students that maybe they don't go to a school like Gilman. Exactly. Right? But they're really, really smart. They're they're geniuses, maybe, and yeah. you know, maybe they don't really do well in the school setting. They don't. Their GPA is not that good. But they're if they took a test like that, they yeah. would get a twenty four hundred or sixteen hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's one hesitation I have with like getting rid of that test altogether. Is you kind of miss some of those students that don't have the, you know, Gilman education yeah. and GPA. But then on the flip side, you have students that like myself. I don't test well. But I can sit in the classroom and I will totally nail it. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that that's a two-edged sword. You know, yeah. um, I, you know, 
I'll sit down and take a test. And, and even when I'm like looking for jobs and I have to test for a job, I'll sit down and take a test and I'll totally bomb on it. But like, am I a great employee and can I do the work? Absolutely. <laughs> so you know what I mean? It's like this thing where mm, mm-hmm. I feel like it could be an advantage and it still could be a disadvantage. So I think making it test the test, test optional uh, road, I think that might be okay because then it's not going to like really determine it, it may help, but it's not right. going to be the final determining factor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I'm thinking, like, in my small mind, in my small world, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's not that. But I'm thinking, like, maybe keep it test optional. And, you know, especially for, like, the schools, the, the um, lower income schools, like you said, or, or schools that, you know, may not have the, you know, the uh, um, curriculum, curriculum intensity like Gilman, you know what I mean? Yep. Or the reputation yep. that they'll also get a chance. I, I feel like this testing has kind of tilted um, the wheel toward um, in favor of the students who are, you know, privileged, have, you know, a little more uh, access. Yeah, yep. you know, they got the tutors, like you said. So I, I'm kind of thinking that, you know, maybe... Uh, going the test optional route, you know, maybe not completely taking it away because maybe some kids will need it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, you know, the test optional role made, or like I said, maybe obsolete. Um, I know I um, proctored or I coordinated um, APs for the last two years. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I might incriminate myself. <laughs> That's all I'm going to do is blow my eyes up. That's APs? It. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to leave that one alone. Okay. <laughs> Um, so you're in the college counseling wing. What, what do you like about that new setup in there for people who don't know? It's like a pretty, it's like, I've, I've been sniffing around there a little bit because, uh, we might have to give you an office. (laughs) I know because I usually like to hang out in the library. It's a good setting. It's Mm -hmm. a nice space, pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. And you know, they've got a Keurig in there and they've got, that's a secret though, but yeah, you just put it out there though. Then I found out about the college counseling wing. You guys got a little, you know, eating area, mm-hmm. Keurig, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. nice and quiet. Mm-hmm. What's it like working in that new wing? It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so it, you know what, like I come from the corporate environment. That's where I worked most of my career um, in these huge corporate uh, industries such as T-Roll Price. I mean, like I worked there for years. Um, and so being in that office, it gives me like the best of both worlds. Like it feels corporate, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But I get to work with the boys, you know, and I get to work with Anna, Justin, Sarah, and Matt, you know, like four of the most, you know, finest college counselors, like, and I'm not just saying it because I work, you know, with them and I'm trying to get brownie points, which I am, but I mean, (laughs) if that works, okay, thanks. But no, they are amazing people. So it's like a, a low maintenance, low intensity environment and it's beautiful while it's low intensity. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and it's it's a it's a great environment and I, and I love that it's so beautiful because it draws people and so people from all areas middle school lower school uh, preschool upper school everybody comes through there everybody wants to like look around and hang out like you come down and hang out in our conference room so that's that's amazing like you know I get to talk to everybody all day yeah. and um, who wouldn't like that you know right. what I mean I, I enjoy it and yeah. so I love that the boys come down they, they have you know we have snacks there for them if they want coffee we offer them the coffee you know and you know they're like wow they feel so honored that they can have coffee I'm just like wow it's the little things but you know <laughs> I, we I enjoy it I think you know I think it's a great spot to be so I think I landed well when I landed in that role for sure mm-hmm. what a um, so you mentioned you were in the corporate world for a while. What was that 
uh, experience like for you? What kind of led you there? And then maybe what made you want to change paths or change directions and get into education? Yeah. Um, well, I so come on, T. Rowe Price, you know, speaks for itself. I, you know, I, I always wanted to work at T. Rowe. And mm-hmm. so when I finally got there, it was like, wow, you know, this is a huge check on my bucket list of places where, you know, I would want to work and, you know, be associated with. Um, The problem with T-Row was my mother um, got sick, um, terminally ill, and I had to um, resign to full term take care of her. Um, And, you know, that that's what took me out of it. So, you know, and I worked um, for um, the Baltimore Red Line that, you know, Governor Hogan squashed. So I worked for that um, between um, T-Row Price and then coming into the school world. And that was great, but that project ended, so that mm-hmm. ended my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, so it was like one of these things where I'm just like, what would I like to do? Yeah. You know, um, and I, I had my experience, you know, administrative um, assistant experience, um, like years, 30, almost 40 years, and I'm kind of telling how old I am. Um, I'm not that old, people. <laughs> um, but, you know, just, just um, what would I like to do? I love kids. You know, I love, uh, I'm not going to say children. I love young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, that they're in that stage of, of their lives where they're impressionable and like something I say or some interaction they may have with me on a daily basis may somehow shape or impact them in a positive way yep. that I'm like, that's it, you know? And so why not? So I talked to uh, one of my friends and I just kind of started like doing my research. I talked to one of my friends who was at the time working at Garrison and she told me how she loved it. And I was like, let's give this a try. And there was a job that was available at Garrison. And so I applied for it and I was, um, got the love bug. It bit me and mm-hmm. I've been here ever since. So, so back again to the uh, question about the all girls and the all boys schools, because that does fascinate me is, is, like, are you very, uh, do you believe in the single sex education for girls and guys? Do you think there's a lot of value in like Garrison Forest, all girls and Gilman, all boys? Or do you see, you know, because I feel like some schools are maybe shifting or combining schools and, you know, co-education yeah. and I went to a co-ed school. Yeah. Like, what do so you, what do you like about, I guess, the single sex education just from like a... I guess, philosophical aspect. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I would say if I were to open a school, and it would be the Avante Jones Independent School. um, I like the sound of that. Me too, right? (laughs) We might be on to something. Um, I would definitely have it co-ed. So I can see how single sex, it, it keeps, well, it's believed that students are more focused because you don't have that uh, competition for you know, the opposite sex. I I don't want to get into that because I may get myself into trouble. Um, But I I can see how not having the opposite sex around so that I can focus. I can see how that could be an advantage. Right. However, I feel like having them around, it kind of prepares you a little bit better for real life Mm -hmm. because what job am I going to work at work on that single sex? I mean, uh, unless you know, even even in like sports and even in like the military, there there are females around, you right, know, or right. there are males around, you know. So I kind of feel like it's it's kind of a false 
sense of reality for my future. Mm-hmm. So I would want my school to reflect what real life is going to be. Yeah, that makes Prepare sense. me for my next step in life. Don't send me out there vulnerable and unprepared for the next step. And yeah. I kind of feel like that, you know, it kind of, you know, and so then once I leave this all girl school, oh my God, there are boys here. And yeah. then, you know, my mind is no longer focused as it could be if I'd already had that experience yep. and it's not, I'm not so, you know, not a novice and novice at it at this point. I'm like, you know, I'm experienced know. at this and look, I got to get my studies together because boys will be around or girls will be around, you know, at some point, but you know, it's not yeah. that whole novelty. <gasps> I know, Thanks. I know. I remember yeah. my friends in college, some of my friends that went to all boys schools, like first week of school, they were like, there are girls in class, this is so yeah. weird. Right. It's like, I've been going to school with girls my whole life, right. it's not weird at all. It's not but... weird at all, right, it's life, this is what's going to happen, you're going to have girls and boys together, <laughs> so. But what I do love, and I teach 11th, 12th grade, and all my classes are co-ed, so I have girls and guys in there for the first really the first time, if you've gone yeah. to Gilman, or you've yeah. gone to Bryn Mawr, or Roland Park for your whole life, it's yeah. like the first time there's... The opposite sex in the room and mm-hmm. that's one part of my job I really like is those first couple of weeks and it's like getting them to talk to each other mm-hmm. and get them comfortable in the room but I really like how Gilman in the tri-school does yeah. the, that system because yeah. it does at least prepares you a little bit for yeah. the next step I agree um, and I think it's so valuable I teach English and you know we have conversations and you get the perspective of girls on yeah. certain things yeah. and you know, Bryn Mawr students are really, I think, just generally, they have different opinions or different uh, mindsets in some ways mm-hmm. than even Roland Park and Gilman, for sure, and just getting all those ideas and backgrounds and perspectives in the same classroom. Yeah. It's yeah. so helpful. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I agree. Um, yeah, I think Gilman does a good job of making it the best of both, best I agree with both that. worlds, you know? Yeah, and I, when I saw that that uh, model, I was like, oh, wow, so here it is. So it's like once I get to this step, now this is this is what your next step is going to look like. This is, you know, so we're going to introduce, you know, girls into your life now or boys into your life, <laughs> your lives. So, yeah, I, I totally, uh, I was like thumbs up on that, Gilman. It is, it is interesting, though. Yeah. Because um, I always think about what it would be like to go to a, single sex yeah. school and be like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Avante Jones school. That's right. Coet. Avante Jones coed school. What was your kind of high school experience like in your upbringing? I know you're from Baltimore. So this yeah. is kind of, you've always been in Baltimore, right? Yes. Yes. Um, what was your experience like growing up here and, and going to a coed high school? Wow. Well, um, so let me give you this, this story. It's very funny. So my first day in high school, going into the ninth grade, um, and I walk into the classroom. It's Phyllis. Of course, I was a little late. That's kind of like my, my MO. I'm <laughs> just a little late. Fashionably late. Yeah, you got to be fashionably late. So I walk in the classroom, and it gets death silent. So I'm looking around like, oh, God, do I have something on my clothes? I'm like looking around. And so I then proceed to like look for a seat and I sit down and they were like, what? You're not the teacher. (laughs) So I looked like the teacher in ninth grade. Okay. And so it was the funniest. It's funny now. Of course I was embarrassed. Like, hello, I'm a ninth grader. Don't do this to me. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. But like, I always had the respect of my peers because I always looked much older Hmm. than I was. I mean, you know, so my they um they respected me so I had like this sort of reverence almost um in school they you know I got the teasing because I was taller than everybody um 
and my mom dressed me like I was going to church every day. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I had, you know, I had the respect of my peers, believe it or not, they tried not to curse around me because they knew my dad was a pastor. Um, so honestly it was, it was, you know, interesting. Um, because I had this reverence from my, and they, they're still like that. If I run into any of my peers now, they're still that way. And I'm just kind of like, wow. Like, that's pretty awesome. So it was, yeah, it was awesome. I can't, I can't complain. Um, you know, I was a class president, um, and I did not want to be, they made me <laughs> run for class president. Wow. So I, so you're like a born leader. I'm going to have, yeah. You're a born leader. Yeah. That's why Avante Jones co-ed school is probably not off, not too off. <laughs> it sounds like it's right in line with. So you didn't even have to run for president. You were just appointed. They made me run. I did run, but the, the my friends, like the students, my like other twelfth grade Your peers, yeah, peers yeah. made me run. Wow, that's yeah. Cool. So I ran. I was like, I'm not gonna win. They're like, Yes, you are, because we're gonna vote for you. And I did win. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I was class president as well. Oh, wow. I can see that, Jake. You are a born leader as well. Oh, thank you. Oh. Um, but a funny story, and I tell, I've had students in my class, like Mac Nichols was in my class mm-hmm. last year, okay. and uh-huh. Dylan Kamenetz was in my class, and yeah. they were both running for, for class president or school president. Yeah. And I, I had to tell them the story about I was president my freshman year, president my sophomore year. I was always kind of involved in student council. Yeah, yeah. And junior year, I had been president for two years. I was feeling pretty confident, pretty good about myself. You know, uh-huh. junior year, I think I think between sophomore and junior year, you get a little bit like, okay, I'm comfortable with this school. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. start to think you're pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was thinking I'm president. I'm pretty cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. And girl in my class, Molly Martin, She's like, I'm going to beat this guy. And she runs against me. And she was campaigning super hard. Like, okay. she had flyers up. She was a singer, too. And we'll oh, talk about your, your singing. She's yeah. a good singer. Okay. So she was out in the courtyard. I'd be walking, you know, to my second period class. And she'd be out there singing oh. and campaigning while she's singing. Oh, and I'm like. Clever Molly Martin. And, you know, me, like, you know, I was I was a, I was a junior or, or, I guess, rising junior. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, you know. I'm going to yeah. beat her. She's going to beat, yeah. She's, yeah, no sweat. And yeah. I didn't campaign that hard. Like, I was, like, kind of kind of arrogant, kind of conceited, which, yeah. good lesson for me. Yeah. She wiped the floor with me. Ooh. She was she was class president junior year. Ooh. And I was, I was like, that's not, that's not happening again. You can't, it's a good lesson. Okay. Like, that's a, it's a really good lesson I for agree. me. That and taught you. the next year, I was, like, campaigning super hard. I'm getting everyone to vote for me. I'm, like got my proposals down yeah uh we didn't do speech we didn't really even do speeches like gilman yeah. does i didn't do a speech either yeah. which i think is important i think no, it's I like a good How do you know what i'm gonna do if i don't <laughs> you don't hear what i have to say i agree and you need to like if you're a class president you, got, you need yeah. to talk you, you need be to be able to deliver yeah, exactly <laughs> make some promises that's but, right but um yeah i won the senior year okay, but good. one of the best i think lessons for me is because you start to think you're you know, you don't have to try that hard, and mm-hmm. that's just not true for anything. Mm-hmm. So it's the old what is it? The tortoise, 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 <laughs> and the hare, the turtle, and oh god, I can't say it. The turtle, say it. Tortoise. Tortoise and the hare. Tortoise and the hare. Remember that? Yep. That hare was relaxing, like I don't have to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The tortoise. Let me not. I'm embarrassing myself. The turtle and the hare. The turtle and the hare. Yeah. The turtle and the rabbit. How about that? Perfect. Yeah. 
Um, so how about, so after you were president, you were appointed, yeah. and it sounds like you had pretty good high school experience. What was the next yeah. next step for you, kind of getting to college and going to the next, yeah. I guess, stage of your life? Well, here's a lesson to all of you that are listening. So in my 12th grade year, class president, you know, I had been on the Baltimore City Student Council. That's like the city, the government. Like, I was on that. I um, got on the Oprah Winfrey show. She did a, um, no she way. did a, yes, she did a show with um, Baltimore City Schools because there was a lot of violence in the schools at the time when I was in high school in the nineties. Well, yeah, I'm yeah okay, <laughs> yeah I'm old. Um, so <laughs> um, old. a lot of violence in the nineties. So um, I was on that panel, the student panel. So I mean, like, but then guess what happened? I got mixed up with a boy. Hmm. Oh, man. And my grades plummeted. So I went from an A student to a, a good C. Like, yeah. Um, and I mean, like, he totally took my focus. Um, I didn't get the opportunities that I could have gotten. Like, you know, everybody was looking at me. I was in line for scholarships. I mean, like, you name it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I took my focus off and I paid attention to a boy. So from that perspective, I can see how a co-ed school... <laughs> Might not have been in my my ben, um, to my benefit, um, so I had to go to um, Baltimore Community College because my grades were low, and I had to do a like a uh, what's the word um, two gap, years gap uh, year. No, it wasn't a gap year. It's like a two year transition type of education. Okay. So I went there uh, for two years. Actually, wound up being three, and then I wound up at Coppin State. And mm-hmm. so before I could go to Coppin, I had to get my grades up enough to be even accepted at Coppin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd gone down. Like, guys, really, don't do it. Like, don't do it. It's not <laughs> worth it. Wait until you graduate. Um, and even in college, you know, wait until you graduate or, you you know, you have it before you get into these relationships. They're going to be there, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to go completely ham like me. <laughs> <sighs> um, uh, Coppin State, tell me about Coppin. Um, you know, honestly, I can't remember Coppin. Um, I, um, yeah, I can tell you one experience about Coppin and that was Dr. Harvey. She was my history teacher and Dr. Harvey was like a high school teacher. So I basically, so between financial aid and me working and paying for my books and, you know, whatever leftover I had to pay for, I was paying for my own education. Well, Dr. Harvey decided I talked too much in her class. So she called my parents <laughs> um, to tell them that, you know, I'm not focused and I'm playing in her class. So my father had to tell her, um, Dr. Harvey, I will talk to her. But, you know, Avante is paying for her own education. So ultimately, she's throwing her own money away. Um, but I, I did shape up. You know, I did respect her because I'm like, OK, she really must be interested in my future. And, you know, so I shaped up. My, mm-hmm. my dad did talk to me. He's just like, you know, come on. Don't be disrespectful. You know better. You and know? what class? What class did she teach? Oh, history. history. Yeah, history. My history teacher. Mm-hmm. I think she's um, deceased at this point. You know, it's been a long time. That was the nineties. Okay. <laughs> I'll say that again. Yes, I'm old, everybody. What, was history a favorite subject of no. yours in school? What were, what were some of your English? English. English. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So I was an education major. So I didn't uh, graduate. I I dropped out. You were education major. Education major. Um, and, um, you know, um, I love English. I still love English. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah, that's my story. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't I don't mind that you guys know that I dropped out. I do plan to go back to school. Um, um, uh, concentration in therapy, counseling, um, mental health. Um, oh, great. In 2022. So that's... I'm going to complete it, everybody. So <laughs> encourage me. When you see me, come on, Miss Jones, you can do it. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going to finish it. Yeah. That's, that's my goal. That's awesome. And that's also like a dedication to my brother who passed in June. Um, I'm going to do this for him. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I kind of glossed over the Oprah, Winf- in, uh, Oprah show you were on, Oprah Winfrey. Um, what was that experience? Like you were, you were just a panelist on her show, uh-huh. but uh-huh. W- what was that like for you? So I totally clammed up <laughs> when I got there. Um, so there was a guy, I cannot think of his name, something like Kofi or some Kobe or Kofi. Um, so he was like this dynamic person, smart, and he was very um, ver- vocal, verbal, um, not shy at all, okay? And so he kind of like took it, took the show. And I, I mean, I was there. I did ask her one question, and I noticed that she kept looking at me. Here's the thing. Back then, I wanted to be Oprah Winfrey. I wanted to be a talk show host. Um, and so, like, I was there, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm with Oprah Winfrey, you know. So I kind of, you know, I fanned out on it, you know, a little bit. I, I, like I said, I did get one question. I was on TV a couple times, you know, um, when she did that show. But she actually came here. We were um, at, I think it was Southern High School or Southwest, and I, they're closed now. Like I said, this has been years ago. Um, and she was here in Baltimore because, you know, she's from here. And, you know, it was it was really cool. I got a chance to talk to her and hug her. And, you know, she touched my face and, like, I almost passed out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was a it was a great experience. Um, I I would love still love to be a talk show host. So maybe I can take my therapy to television. Hey, you might be a, you might be a podcaster, maybe. Hey, why not? That's like uh... why not Jake and Avante show. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty fun. I think so. I'm with it. Um, but yeah, um, you know, these are, but I have to get my, I have to get my degree in therapy. I have to do that because that's a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I want my target audience, um, to be school age, um, you know, high school age, um, children. Uh, when did you find out that therapy was a passion of yours? Was it kind of somewhere along the lines after graduate, after, after college, after leaving Coppin or corporate world or when you're at garrison like when did you kind of figure out that therapy was what what you were meant to do i guess i'm in therapy myself yeah and through my own experiences and working with my therapist who's amazing um so just like you know over the years being in therapy and just kind of like how i'm able to like you know all the stuff that i you know you know everybody's got pain everybody's got issues We've all experienced something traumatic in our lives. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little sweaty, y'all. Help me. Yeah, it's a, um, it's, it's it's a little warm in here. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, over the years, just dealing with all of my, my traumas, and, you know, just how interesting it is that, you know, sitting down and speaking with someone who's got the knowledge, they can take that thought that was so traumatic to me and kind of like redirect it to make it empower me mm-hmm. to become better. When I leave therapy... I feel empowered. I feel like I can do this. Like I can live this life. Like I'm strong enough to handle all of these challenges that I'm going to face in life. If, if she did that for me, then I want to do that for someone else. Yeah. You know, 
um, getting through that many deaths in one year, like less than three months. Um, and being able to, like I said, show up now, I'm not going to say it's easy. Some days I literally can't move. I feel like I am like paralyzed in the bed because the pain is so great. But here's the thing, feeling that pain is okay. I learned that in therapy. Mm-hmm. I learned, I am learning how to navigate through my life's challenges by going to therapy, by speaking with someone who's got the knowledge to help guide my thoughts, guide my pain, uh, guide my traumas, and, and help that to empower me to grow, to use that as a, you know, a growth experience, a growth opportunity to make me better and not bitter. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling of not walking around bitter. Yeah, that's the worst. Amazing. Yes, I'm saying not being bitter. Yeah. Yeah, being bitter is the worst. It yeah. is the worst. I don't ever want to walk around bitter. Yeah, and it's I, I, I feel like it is so easy to become bitter with all the things that you're talking about, Heck right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, why did I have to lose my brother who was only 55? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Why couldn't he live? Why can some of these bad people die? You know what I mean? Right. But, like, you can't think like that. Yeah. Because, you know, and you know what I found out? That if we, if only bad people, uh, if bad things only happen to bad people, then how would that make me good? Think about that. Um, I'm not going to pray for or, or send best, best wishes to a bad person, but I will a good person. Mm-hmm. That's going to make me, you know, uh, meditate, how, you know, pray, you know, focus and try, you know, like will that person to become better because they're a good person. We need them here. A bad person. I'm like, eh. That's you know you yeah. get what you, you get what you put out there. <laughs> Sorry for your loss, buddy. <laughs> but but I feel like it, you know that that's what's taught me that you know all it, bad things are not going to only happen to bad people. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen to good people because it's going to make me in that process a better person. And not that I'm making light of something bad happening to a good person. It's just life. It's right. inevitable. Trauma, pain is going to happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's how we deal with that, you know, trauma and pain. So in therapy, what are some of the um, what are some of the tools, I guess, that you're kind of learning and incorporating to kind of get through some of these re- really hard times and hardships that you face? Like you talked about maybe meditation and prayer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of different uh, practices that you incorporate. What are some of those that have really helped you? Definitely meditation and prayer. Um, just quiet time. It's okay to pull myself away from everything and everybody. And in today's world and society, um, we're taught that selfishness is a bad thing and it's not, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be selfish, to take yourself off the market for a minute, you know, refocus yourself because guess what? I'm a better person when I'm focused. I have more to offer. I'm more creative. You know, I I have more to give you when I'm focused. But when I am like pulled in all these different directions, I'm hanging on by a thread. I have nothing to give you. So it's best to take yourself off the market so that now I'm a better person and I I have more to give you. So that's one thing. I've also learned that I can't look at every experience as a bad thing. You know, some, some bad things come to help me to grow, to make, because like, just imagine you are 48 years old, that's, I'm 48, and you still have the mentality and life experiences of 18-year-old. How would that look, a 48-year-old woman walking around with an 18-year-old mentality? Doesn't work. Yep. Those experiences teach me. They train me. They, you know, 
uh, what's the word, smooth me out like sandpaper. They smooth out my rough, rough edges, make me a better person, make me stronger, um, able to handle life uh, more resilient. You know what I mean? That's what, um, you know, bad experiences are sent for, to grow you up, to strengthen you. Like I said, to smooth out those rough edges. Um, that's what that's what happens. So I can't look at every bad experience as a bad experience. Look at it as a growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. Look at it as me being refined and becoming better um, again and not bitter, you know, not staying stagnant in that spot and, you know, sobbing and sulking over what happened wrong. You know, stay there for a little while, but get up and let's push forward because guess what? I was trained now for this next level in my life. I was trained, you know, I was strengthened um, and, you know, my integrity is better now. You know, my I'm strengthened, I'm strong, you know, my mind is stronger, you know, I have a uh, I'm, I'm wiser now because, you know, life has taught me something. I have a lesson now under my belt. I can help you. I can help me, you know, yeah. make the world a better place. So that's that's like a huge lesson that yeah. I've learned in therapy. And just, you know, I am a very, very, very uh, shy, uh, low-key person. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm very high, strong. I'm very emotional, very passionate. Yep. And I had to, I'm learning how to direct that into a positive path and not so much just letting it go. You got to direct it so that it is uh, beneficial and not direct your energy, my energy, my passion, you know, my emotions. Cause you know, I'm like this very emotional person direct it so that it is positive and not like this outburst of, you know, "Ah!" sometimes. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. That's right. Organized chaos is what I'm, I'm learning to make my life. Me. Mm -hmm my personality, organized chaos. Tell me about, tell me about the meditation though, because that's something that I'm really interested in and has helped me a lot. What what are your meditation like practices? How'd you get into it? How does, how has it helped you? We've had, um, Sarah Ross, you know, is a huge meditation, uh, advocate and Mm -hmm. Cheryl Nakabo where they were on the podcast and we were talking about it because they have like a a, a meditation club at Gilman for, Mm -hmm. for students. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you do with meditation and how has that really helped you? I feel like it's such an important tool. It is. Um, meditation has helped me to focus. Simple as that. Focus. Um, you know, I noticed those mornings where I oversleep and I jump up and I'm running like, oh my God, I'm so off that day. Like, you know, everything that come, comes at me, I'm feeling it. You know, it's impacting me or, you know, it's upsetting me or irritating me because I didn't take that time to focus, to stop, you know, think about things, put things into perspective, you know, and, and you know, kind of have a guided day and not this day where things are, you know, I'm reacting to things, you know, but I'm being proactive toward things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, that's what meditation does for me. So I, you know, in the mornings I like have time where I have devotionals that I read positive affirmations, um, you know, anything that's going to affirm, you know, affirm me, affirm, affirm my, you know, uh, my positive self, uh, my strong self, um, my helpful self, um, anything that's going to affirm that I try to take that in, you know, whether it's a Bible verse, whether it's, uh, uh, a Bible-related devotional, whether it's a positive poem, um, whether it's something that I wrote in my journal, and I, I go back and read, like, you know, what happened, you know, a few months ago or maybe a year or two ago, um, 
seeing my growth, like how I thought then and how I, you know, know that now I'm a little bit better than I was back then. Or, oh, let me grab that and take that into my future. That's something that I can bring with me. Mm -hmm. So th those are the things that I do in the morning to try to like focus, to center myself, um, to make sure I am, you know, not allowing outside influences to impact me internally, that internally I'm solid. Right. And outside influences can't penetrate that. Now, I can't say that it happens all the time because, like I said, some mornings I jump up and I'm like, ah! Yep. But those days when I'm focused, you know, the negativity, I can't allow it to penetrate me because I'm so focused. I've meditated. I've prayed. Um, I spoke with, you know, my Heavenly Father. And I am I'm good. And, you know, and not only am I good for me, but I, I'm hope, hoping to offer something because I'm in an environment with a lot of impressionable people all day true so i have to have something to, or even if it's just a smile hello are you okay right to be able to see that somebody's in trouble or somebody's hurting to see that and feel that and just offer them a positive word i'm not going to sit and you know become a therapist to them but i'm going to say hey you doing okay you want a yeah. piece of candy you yeah doing okay? you know what i mean you're at the front desk i mean you, you kind of have to yeah, right you can't absolutely. be can't be mad upset grouchy you know Absolutely dealing not. with your own you have to that's your kind of role like yeah. you, you need to be right with yourself before you do that that's true. but disclaimer sometimes i might be grouchy though that's <laughs> you have to allow yourself to be human and i will try yeah. my best to say hey not having a good day today yeah it's and good. I, I have to allow myself that i cannot sit there and and be perfect because in my perfection i'm gonna lose my mind right so let me be honest sometimes I'm not, you know, but for the most part, I try my best to, you know, be positive and to, you know, have something positive to offer to everyone that I, you know, come in contact with. You did mention um, journaling and journaling is something that I try to do as Absolutely. much as I can and or think about. Um, and there's one thing that I remember. I read read this book, Green Lights, mm -hmm. last year, Matthew McConaughey's book. Uh -huh. And he, he's he got an interesting story because he had journaled for like 30 years every day of his life, wow. which is pretty hard to do, yeah, number yeah, one. Hard. We need to get the when, time. Yeah, you know, when you're busy. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like the thought that he writes about in his book where he says – you know, when he looks back at his journals, he likes to look back at the times when things are going really, really well and he's doing his best mm -hmm. and, you know, he's hitting green lights and mm -hmm. he uses oh, that nice. that phrase. Yeah. Um, he reads those and he's like, okay, at this time in my life, I was doing this, this, and this. Maybe I need to get back to doing that again yeah. Yeah. so I can bring those good times, that good energy back into the present. Yeah. And I always really like that thought because... You know, you can you can focus. You can choose your focus. Yes. You can focus on focus on the bad things, or you can kind of go back and figure out what it is that was working well that yeah. you can, you know, incorporate into your into your present moment in your in your day right now. Right. Yep. Which I, I like. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Avante. Uh, so tell me about your singing. Uh, we talked about um, Molly Martin. My my. Uh, yeah, your nemesis. Yeah, my nemesis <laughs> in high school. She's she's a great singer. Um, but I, the first time I saw you singing was I think on the on Zoom maybe last year during the holiday oh, party, wow. and I was like, wow, she's she's a great singer. Oh, wow, thank you. Uh, How did you kind of get into that, and, and um, hmm. what's that experience been like singing? Um, well, uh, my dad was a, a Pentecostal pastor, um, so I grew up in church, um, and since he was the pastor, everything that had to happen happened with his children. So seven of us, okay? And so if he needed ushers, we were the ushers. <laughs> if he needed a singer, we were the singers. Uh, whatever he needed, that's what we were. So basically my whole life, 
I've been singing. You know, my family had a group. It was the Jones Singers. And then, you know, um, the Jones Singers, once my sister, sister started having babies, became the Jones Brothers. I sang back up to them. And so they, you know, they were kind of, you know, uh, uh, a local popular group. Um, gospel singing group at the time. So basically, I've, I've been singing all my life. I was a choir director at a big church in Baltimore County um, for about 12, 13 years. That's where I met Eric Marner um, and worked with him. And, you know, he was a sax player at the church, and I was one of the choir directors. So that's where I came in contact with Mr. Marner, um, and, and we had become friends, you know. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I've been teaching singing, teaching voice, uh, vocal training, um, singing on the choir, lead singing, singing in groups my whole life. Wow. Yeah. So it's a huge part of, of you. A huge part of who I am. Yeah. How about uh, kind of recently, like when do you, like how often are you singing like on a kind of weekly basis? Like when do you kind of make time for that now? Um, I sing in church. Um, so I sing at different churches. I sing at my brother's church uh, um during the pandemic, um, you know, when we were recording and I sang at, you know, different churches where I would lay vocals down and send it off and they would, you know, play it um, during certain parts of the church service. Um, I did a lot of singing. The pandemic was fun because, you know, you get to get in there, sing and get out. You, I hate to say this, but, you know, sometimes church can be a little long. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have to deal with that. Just got in there and sang and I got to leave. <laughs> so I was like, I got the best of it. I get to sing and leave. So, um, so I sing every, every Sunday, you know, I do have like maybe fifth Sundays as a break, um, when there's a fifth Sunday, but I sing every Sunday in a praise team or a choir. Um, and you know, I love it. Yeah. That's I awesome. And I get paid to do it too. Oh, wow. I always kind of yeah. wished I, uh, got into music a little bit. I'm not. Never I'm, too late, Jake. Never yeah, too late. Never too late. True. True. Maybe I can work on some vocals yes. with you. Yeah. You can come down to the conference room and we can do vocal training. Uh, we can turn that, that conference room into anything, you know, a music studio, a spot. Photo, photo, photography studio, whatever you want it to be. It can be that. Let's do it. Yeah. I yeah. love that place. Yes. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of wrap up the podcast for today, your book recommendation for everyone to that they need to read that is um, cherished by you, your favorite book of all time. Is the Bible. It's the Bible, baby. <laughs> and that's easy for me because that's the book that I grew up on. My parents taught us the Bible. I went to Sunday school. I went to evening uh, church school. I went to vacation Bible school in the summertime. Um, the Bible is very much an integral part of my life, um, my family's lives. I'm like I have two brothers that are pastors now. All, uh, all of my siblings are some sort of preacher or evangelist or something. Except me, I'm not. Okay. Uh, I sing. That's my, yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> but um, the Bible, and I, I, I love to read the Message Bible, and I love to read the Living Translation because it breaks it down. I, I still read the King James Version, but the Bible, and, and, and let me say this. Uh, I've learned that the Bible is a book that, that was written by man, inspired, you know, by God, but it was written by man. And, and it's a personal experience. And while we have preachers and teachers to teach us, you know, their interpretation, ultimately it's your, you know, your connection and your understanding, you know, and you have to make sure that your understanding is what you live by and not what somebody's telling you. And that's 
like the biggest lesson I've learned uh, as it relates to the Bible, mm-hmm. that it's my experience and my relationship right. that I am living each day. Yeah. And and I can take in other people's um, thoughts and, you know, or whatever, but I'm not living by that. I'm living by what I believe and what I've learned and how I've interpreted it. Yeah. And okay. that's super important, I think, for Absolutely. any, I think any book too, and I teach English and I try to say that too, is like some of you might really relate to this poem or this yeah. short story or this book that we're going to read. Yes. Some of you may hate it and not get it. And that's yep. okay. It that's depends okay. on when you read it, mm-hmm. how it, how it hits you, mm-hmm. um, how you interpret it. It's yep. very personal experience. Exactly. What season you are in your life. Maybe I don't relate to it today, but maybe next week I will, because mm-hmm. Like I said, life experiences have put me in a place where now, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, your the, personal experience. The Bible is a great choice because it's it's um, it's a really amazing book, and I don't think it really de- you know matters what you believe. If you just uh-huh. look at it as a text, it's exactly. an amazing story, and it's yep. put together, and it's uh, it's an amazing book. I and mean, it's it's I look at it like this: words to live by. Yeah, words to live by through my own interpretation. The Bible, that's words to live by. Do you have a favorite chapter of the Bible? There is a scripture. It's Psalm 27. And it says, fret not yourself because of evildoers, because in due season they will be plucked up like the grass. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not saying it exactly like it says it. But basically, I take that as don't compare myself to other people. Stay in my lane. March in my position. And, you know, you'll soon see. It'll open up and be like, oh. Oh, so to be, you know, covetous or jealous or envious of someone else, that's not where it's at. March in your lane, stay focused, and don't worry about what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Life will reveal itself to you, and you'll understand it eventually better. I think that's great advice for anyone in high schools, especially. Especially. Because it's so easy to get caught it's up. It's a monster. It's a monster. It's a mo- comparison is a monster, and it's ugly. Do not fall into that comparison thing. It's awful. Yeah. Stay in your lane. March in your position. Hold your spot. There are enough slices of pie for all of us to get a piece. I don't need your slice. You don't need mine. <laughs> Avante, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Great thank conversation. You. Great. Thanks I, for great sharing show. more about you. And you. Um, we'll see you in the counseling office. In the counseling office in the conference room doing our vocal lessons. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Okay, we'll see you. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Thank you.